gotten the jump. Yes, he did. He gives it to Henry. Henry trying to get to the outside. Shoves the defender, Josh Norman, to his backside. Derek Henry will do this to a lot of guys, but he just made Josh Norman. Norman can reconsider whether or not he wanted to play again. Welcome along to a pretty successful week that has been the Titans week. Big win against the Bills. And uh, unlike Josh Norman, the Transatlantic Titans podcast has landed. Welcome. I'm here with Miles this week, just myself and Miles. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Greg. How you doing, Miles? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm glad we got to mention uh, Josh early on. I wanted to pay our respects and hope that he's doing better. I did hear that he'd landed, so hopefully he can make a speedy recovery from what was a pretty horrific, let's say, crash. Absolutely. We'll, we'll we'll get to to probably plenty of talk about about that moment. And unless you've been living in a cave, um, you you probably already know all about it. But uh, yeah, we've got a win to to talk about, a win to celebrate. One that if you listen to the podcast, what felt like a age ago, but it was actually a few days ago um, with Adam and myself. We didn't have a lot of confidence. Um, I can't speak for you, Miles, obviously, but we didn't have a huge amount of confidence with players missing and uh, barely any practice. But Titans have pulled it out of the bag. What were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, being the overly positive one, I sort of went into the game thinking, I, I go into every game with the why not sort of confidence. I know a lot of people had the Bills down to be a a really strong team. And in most games they really are but I feel like we performed to a really professional standard when we played them I was a bit shocked that we managed to score as many as we did but with Malcolm Butler making a couple of great picks especially setting us up in brilliant positions you can actually see that the score was running up quite quickly and I was just I was just overly impressed with um, both sides of the ball really I say both sides special teams I mean Kern there's no point of us even sort of saying now that he's performed, because that's just what he does. But special teams was outstanding. Derek Henry didn't need to run over a hundred yards or do anything. He'd done the he'd done the bit that we've already mentioned with Norman, where he, he wiped someone off the face of the earth. He scored a couple of touchdowns, and but we didn't need a Henry game. We we got a Tannehill game with AJ Brown and a couple of other sort of let's say makeshift receivers. Yeah, we still had Johnny Smith in there, but I mean, considering it's a team that's been doing training over Zoom meetings. And if you think it's bad enough that you're having to go up against a difficult team, but to go up against a team where something's trying to, in the way of COVID, trying to stop you from training and being with your players and coaches, it's to me, it was an unbelievable result. And I mean, if you'd, if you'd offered me the chance of beating the Bills by a field goal, yeah, I would have been nervous as hell watching Gaskowski, who again went six and six with kicking. But realistically, I have zero complaints coming out of that game. It was just, it just felt good. Like, yep, four and zero. And I, I, I was trying to find negatives to bring along to this podcast. I, I don't know if you're going to have any for me to uh, go over, but I, I was really struggling after the game to think, what two touchdowns against the Bills and scoring forty-two points. I love that I any day of the week. I'll always find a negative miles, you know me. But no, I mean, <laughs> I absolutely agree. I think um, I, look, I walked into this game thinking. No idea what to expect. The Bills have been you know, 4-0 and at the time. They've kind of been blowing teams away pretty much. They, they, they've been looking pretty good. I think they're, they're missing a few players. There's no doubt about that. Um, but even though they're missing a few players, you, you still walked in thinking, yeah, that surely they're going to be too strong for us with everything that's been going on. The players that we were missing, not practiced for was it 13, 14 days, I think. You, yeah, all the signs was, was, was going towards a Bills victory. But what was incredible, I think we can go back, I think just going back to the start, I think it was it was almost the first drive really kind of set the tone for the day. Um, and the, you know, first drive, third play, I think it was two, two running plays by Singletary and then third and four and Malcolm Butler with the, the first interception, which automatically put us down. I can't remember what line we ended up. It must have been 25, 20, 25 yard line, just outside the red zone, I think. Um and it really did just set the the kind of the premise for the for the night, and and that was something that just it couldn't have gone much better from the start. And then capitalising two plays later with the with the touchdown to Brown, 
having AJ Brown back was was huge. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And I think we had three, possibly four wide receivers available, and and I think him and Raymond were the only ones really that that have been in the in the first team pretty much all, all year. So it it just felt like uh, at that point you you you're thinking, well, actually this 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 is not going to be as easy as as you think for the Bills or. Um, and then they go down and drive, uh, must, again, 75, 60, 75, 80 yards, whatever it was, to get their touchdown. You're, you're kind of doing that typical roller coaster of being a Titans fan back and forth. But it just kind of felt like after that, they never really got a lot going, Buffalo. They, I thought the only criticism I can really give to the Titans uh, is I felt that the Bills were getting too much success on third downs. We could have got them off the field on several occasions. Uh, and I'm talking like third and 13s and stuff like that. And they were converting them, which was a little frustration. I think when I was sort of talking to, to you guys and during the game itself, that was one thing that was kind of really annoying me in the end because it, when it was third and two, we seemed to get them off the field. When it was third and 13, we couldn't get them off the field, which was just odd. But it didn't really matter in the end. I thought on, on in the end, we defended the game really well. You could tell there was there were bodies out there that hadn't probably started games for a long time. And all in all, it was just, it turned from a, what was a professional, what looked to be a professional victory of towards the end, the, the, um, the fumble on the, on the kick return uh, into a, a thumping and 42 16 i don't think flattered us if i'm honest which is something i, I never would have thought i'd be saying when i was uh, when we were previewing this game it was always going to be kind of yeah hopefully we can just keep them run them close and even if we lose the game if we run them close i'll be happy and we just ended up absolutely thumping them um which was which was amazing to see but yeah it was great absolutely great to see aj brown back we've i think we have missed him there's absolutely you know, no doubt about that um I think when you look at the the overall stats, I mean, they, they were they were relatively close. Um, I think we ran the ball relatively well, but you know there was there was one run play which we've already kind of alluded to that I think we have to probably spend the next twenty minutes talking about. Uh, Derek Henry throwing Josh Norman down, f- flying through the air like uh, it, honestly it was it, it was like throwing throwing a two year old up in the air. It was. It was embarrassing for Norman, wasn't it? Yeah, and as a as an avid uh, GMFB uh, watcher, I know Carl Brandt has his uh, angry run segment, and they said that they were gonna delay the results of it because they felt like they wanted to give the Bills and Titans a chance to prove that uh, there could be another angry run in the game. And I mean, there's gonna take a lot to beat it. When when it's a still image, it looks like something from Street Fighter where it looks like Norman's actually kicking Henry. But then you realise that it's actually Henry's pick. I mean, the sideline reaction was just so fun and just seeing that. I think it was Brown on the sideline just sort of trying to recreate what had happened. And it's like, just showing how he picks up a grown man. Like, Josh Norman, don't get me wrong, he's, he's you know, he's people will argue that he's past it or whatever, but it's another human being. He's picked him up by his shoulder pad and threw him. It's not just like he's pushed him out of the way. He's He's got airborne. And, I mean, it's my current phone wallpaper. I won't be surprised if a lot of other Titan fans are the same. But, I mean, oh, it was just... To me, if... if I mean, personally, I wouldn't want to try and tackle Henry anyway. And we've always said through the off-season, like, they were saying how he said that he's done... I think Henry himself said he's doing too many bicep curls in the gym. And then they <laughs> were saying that he's not doing nearly enough if that's what he can do just based on what he can do at the moment. But it's just... Yeah, I loved it. I mean, one thing I did... Want to mention when you alluded to like the three and 13s, if there was an award for like almost sacks, I feel like Clowney would be like oh, the absolutely. MVP of the league. Absolutely, like, yeah. and obviously, everyone looks at sacks as the that's how you monitor if the defensive lineman is doing good or bad. And yes, Aaron Donald this year has actually started with a high sack total number, but if you look at the pressure that Clowney's getting on these quarterbacks, it's no surprise when you're seeing. I mean, Josh Allen's had a very good year. I know Adam was saying on a previous podcast that he was one of the elite quarterbacks this year, and we were saying how tragic that felt for 2020. But realistically, he's been performing very well, but we were getting a lot of pressure in the backfield, especially behind him, forcing him to step up. And I feel like that's especially where Butler's second interception yeah. definitely came from. He can't be at fault for the first one. It was a, it was a tipped pass. But the second one, it was getting all that pressure towards Allen. And even if you're not sacking him, 
there's only so many times you're going to have it before you feel like there's someone touching you or someone behind you where you're, you're just not able to make a play. So I'm really happy with the way that's starting to evolve. And again, Howard Landry again looked amazing. I just really feel like this line, and now especially with the news today of Simmons back off the uh, COVID list again, I mean, Deshaun Watson must be having nightmares already looking forward to Sunday to have the three of them, especially the way that they looked against the Bills. That's a big point as well you have to kind of make is that that line was missing Simmons, who is such a big, big part of it now. Um, And yeah, they were getting a lot of pressure on Allen. I think it was only one sack in the game. I think in the end, if I remember Cersei Royal, I might be wrong. But um, it felt like, yeah, every time Clowney was getting just inches away from, from catching him and whether he was just getting it away just about in time or whatever it was. But I actually thought their um their their own line actually held held up Clowney relatively well, um, or just about in in enough time to, to get the ball away and, and but yeah, it was just it it was just a game that's that it was just actually enjoyable to watch, which, you know, most Titans games you're sitting there, your heart's going crazy. Um there was another stat that I I, that I actually I think I can probably take it from either Twitter. It might be even good. Good morning football is on as well. It was the 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 first team um, since 2007, 16-0 Pats to go six out of six in the touchdowns in the red zone, zero sacks and zero interceptions in a game. Uh, so you, yeah, we're doing something right. You know, we had we had plenty of the ball and and we were. Yeah, you know, we, we were scoring touchdowns. We weren't settling for field goals, or, or you know, like maybe we were in some of the earlier games of the season. Um, you know, we are scoring touchdowns, and that is a hell of a stat. It's something that, that the reason I kind of made a note of it is because I just thought that's actually pretty incredible that that's the last time that was done, 2007, with a team that went 16 and 0. We're tight that that will go 16 and 0, but I, that for me was an incredible, incredible performance. And under the circumstances when the world feels against you and everything is uh everything isn't kind of perfect look i think there was instances in the games where we had a, a bit of a lucky break if you like it in i think it was the first half when uh Tannehill was a uh, penalty i think it was on third down so it would have been a field goal luckily i think it was uh was it Russian? i can't remember what it was now i think it was a hit on Tannehill potentially but nevertheless you know you've got you got to take that and then and then take it and run it into that end zone and we did exactly that. Just on Derek Henry, we were talking about obviously the Josh Norman play, which is I think quite rightly so. I don't care if there was flags thrown. I don't, I don't really care if it doesn't actually go down in history as a, as a as a run due to the penalties, but we'll forever have those gifts and memes and everything else that's flying around it. Um, but actually, 57 yards on the night over nine, 19 carries. That's a hell of a lot less than than I think what we've seen from him in recent weeks and back end of last season as well. Um, they gave, I think, 10, potentially, I think it was 10 carries to McNichols, um, which is obviously interesting. They also kind of gave uh, opportunity uh, for Evans as well, which sadly now I think he's got a hamstring injury and is going to be missing the next few weeks at least. Um, it feels like with Henry, they, they I mean, look, the game, the game it depends on the game circumstance. So when you go in at halftime leading, you just think, right, run Henry down their throats for the whole the rest of the night. Didn't seem to do that so much. It seemed to throw the ball around and give players like I think Ferks had a couple of receptions. Johnny Smith played a big part, not only his touchdown, but he was involved. I, mean, I think there was receptions for uh, for Westbrook. I'm not going to try and pretend to, to pronounce the second part of his name because I can never remember it. Um, and Raymond as well in that first half as well. So it was. It kind of honestly can't see any real massive negatives um, when you when you look at it overall. Uh, it was just a, a thumping win, and at no point in the game did I, did you really any anyone who watched it really sit there thinking anything other than a than a Titans victory. Even if you are a Titans fan like me, who's the most negative and pessimistic of us all, you're still sitting there thinking even even we just look so comfortable. And it was uh, yeah, it was great to see. Um, on the Bill side of things, though, I think um, I mean they 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 had some success. I think Diggs was 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 hugely successful for them on the night. Um, I think the only thing we did do is keep him out of the end zone. Uh, we kept him to very much kind of picking up the ball in in areas where it wasn't hurting us on the uh, on the scoreline. Um, and Alan, yeah, you, you, I think it was our normal host Adam who tweeted that he was gonna he was a quarterback that was benched 
at the end of that game in the fourth quarter after the uh, after the fumble and they got the ball back. They brought Matt Barkley in to finish the game off. So it's, yeah, absolutely incredible game. Um, incredible result. And uh, I think a few people have said this, but I think it was a bit of a statement win. Oh, I agree. I think it got a lot of attention, especially because of the, the new surround and wider game was actually delayed in the first place. There would have been a lot of people probably excited to watch the game when it was. It was it was nice to have football that night for anyone who, regardless if you're a Bills or Titans fan, but I think a lot needs to be taken away from the fact that Allen's statistics when it comes to the red zone, I'm fairly certain are up there in the best in terms of his, it was the old Mariota thing where it was like his, his touchdown to interception ratio was something yeah. crazy. And to have it, like I said, coming away with what only two touchdowns conceded, to me shows a huge amount of credit to the way our defense has stepped up and I mean Malcolm Butler led the team on tackles as well it wasn't just interceptions it was yeah he had the tackles as well he was he was everywhere he he really stepped up it's the Butler that we were hoping to get when I mean, we first signed him and the me. thing is with uh, um, that that secondary was was really thin I, mean, I think we we said about this before the game you know Fulton did return off of the covid list but didn't play obviously wasn't ready to play um yeah he's still missing a dory uh, for injury as well. I mean, it, we we were relying on guys like Chris Jackson, who was drafted in the sixth or seventh round this year. I think Cream Moore, you know, there was there was there was other guys as well that we were relying to to go and put in a performance. And against a Bills a Bills team that you know aren't afraid to, to to throw the ball around and make big plays. So yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. That's Butler, probably the best I've seen from Butler in a, in a Titans jersey. Yeah, and especially like with all straight off the practice squad and manages to make a play at the end of the game. It's it's what we had towards the end of last year where there was so many names on defense that were stepping up. It was like, rather than just saying our defense was good, we were able to individually pick plays from each player on the defense to show they stepped up. And I mean, the idea of getting the Dory Jackson back and Fulton back to add to Butler. And I mean, I think Bayard even had a chance for an interception pipe through the game, I remember. And he's still waiting to sort of beast his statistics with them. So it's only growing. And it's what I said with getting Simmons back on that line. If you're a quarterback that's got to throw the ball when you've got Laundry, Simmons and Clowney running at you, and then you've got a backfield that are confident at going home and after the ball, it's only something that's going to get better. Um, with regards to, like, obviously, like you were saying, I think a lot of NFL fans will be more aware of us now. Everyone used to think, oh, Titans, all you need to do is stop the run and you'll stop them, yeah. which obviously last year was proven wrong for the Patriots and the Ravens in the playoffs. But if you look at Tannehill's uh, statistics, um, I know I probably stole this from Kay Adams or something, which is how all my statistics come from. He's having MVP level statistics for the time yeah. that he's come in, the touchdown to interception ratio. And the game plan, I'm convinced that, they would have looked at that Bills team and thought, you know what, they haven't got Tredavious White, who is arguably one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and yes, he's a big miss. But I reckon they went out there and went, we should target them cornerbacks rather than putting the ball in Henry's hands, and we're going to have the whole of the NFL watching saying, well, hold on, I thought all the Titans done was run the ball up the middle and Henry would do yep. some damage. What they actually got to see was they got to see an offense that had many different schemes, which included Henry running outside of the box and knocking people for 50 yards, but it also included Tannehill running the ball in himself, throwing excellent passes to the different receivers. It's like it was like Oprah style of like you get a pass, you get a pass, you get a pass. Everyone was getting involved. Yeah. yeah. And we were a weakened team against what a lot of people were saying. We're gonna be the people that were gonna take over the Patriots division. They're gonna have a playoff run. Yeah. They've got a magical quarterback, and we scored forty two points on him. It's to me, it's it it'd be silly for the league to not take notice of the result because I mean, I would have quite liked the Pittsburgh game to go ahead because I would have been really interested to see what happened with us against their defence. But at the same time, I don't think there's that much of a difference between the Bills and the Steelers in terms of all-round team. Granted, you could say the Steelers have a slightly better defence, but yeah. I really expected more from the Bills. And I, I'm leaning more towards the point that it wasn't I'm expecting more from the Bills is that we got a lot more from the Titans. Yeah, um, I think the the Bills defensively are no way. I think I mentioned this on the podcast earlier this week as well. They're nowhere near the same defense they were last year. For last year, their defense was incredible, uh, but offensively they're they're on inferior, a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot better. That said, um, they they just didn't get anything going. 
and even when they weren't moving the ball, they weren't getting it going to the extent of, of any putting any serious points against us. So, yeah, I think it's um, the Steelers game is is an interesting one. I think the defense is is, is a different level, if I'm honest. Um, but at home, I mean, I, I still can't see us not scoring points. And with Tannehill, it's the first time. Even you know, everyone knows how much I think all of us loved Mariota when he was when he was here, but you always kind of knew that there was an interception in, in Marcus. You already, you always kind of knew that there was potentially even a fumble in him if, if he gets hit or, you know, that you always kind of were waiting for something to go wrong. With Tannehill, I just, I just kind of always feel at ease when he's got the ball in his hands and I never feel like he's going to make a big, big mistake and get intercepted. You always kind of expect it. It's even going to hit a receiver, either get dropped or picked up or he'll throw it away. That's kind of the only three things I can see happening, but he just he just he just looks confident and, and he's and he is carrying this team on his back and and he's the, he's the leader that I, I felt that with Mariota he, he was a leader to some extent but with Tannehill I've kind of realised this guy's almost another level when it comes to what he brings. It, he's not a leader in terms of just being massively vocal. He's a leader just in regards to just does just carry a team. And if Henry can't get things going, and I've seen more success from Henry this year bouncing on the outside than have just trying to run through an entire line. Uh, so even if he can't get get things going, you've got enough enough tools there. I mean, look, let's have a, you look at the players who who we, who he had to throw to on on Tuesday night, and with respect, that a lot of them are backup receivers, if you like, they're wide receivers three four. Even beyond that, in some cases, you've got you know, tight ends like Thurksa, uh, who you know, even Pruitt wasn't even playing. You know, Thurksa, who everyone knows how much I love that guy, but you know, he's not elite. And yet, you know, he's still there. 195 yards, three touchdowns. Um, I, I, you, know, you just can't argue with the stats. You can't argue what he's doing with this team right now. But I think one thing we haven't mentioned as well, and probably should, is is the coaching, the coaching staff of which quite a few of them were missing on Tuesday as well. Um, I think the way that they schemed this game, with the lack of practice that that team had, is nothing short of sensational. So I think credit to to Mike Vrabel and credit to his team. I think that it was uh, all all round amazing performance and one of which I never thought I'd be, uh, be coming onto this podcast today to say how good it was because I was fully expecting to come on here thinking, yeah, never mind, you know, we expected to lose a 4-1, and one, let's move on. Um, but we probably should move on. And uh, before we move on, Miles, you spent some time with uh, with Ewan, who is a Houston Texans fan over here in the UK. Um, and this was before the Bills game, um, but we'll we'll basically go over to to Miles speaking to Ewan. Take it away. And as if I'm talking to myself from the future, or is it the past? I'm trying to work out when it is that I've recorded this before our main podcast. But uh, I'm joined now by uh, Ewan from the Turn Up For What uh, podcast for the uh, Texan fan base in the UK. How are you doing, Ewan? I'm all right. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no worries at all. So, uh, yeah, we've got a, a big uh, Rivals game coming up on Sunday, 6pm, for the uh, UK fans where the Titans are taking on the Texans. Hopefully... Uh, by I just been thinking timing it we're recording hoping about four hours time the Titans will be four and out after just beating the Bills we can hope it might be a tough game but could be going into the game against the Texans unbeaten fingers crossed but the Texans are always one of them teams that can uh, really danger a, um, a squad it's, it's a team that I've always worried about especially with Deshaun Watson and uh, they've had a bit of a slow start to the season but how would you uh, sum up the season? To begin with, obviously, you got your first win last week. Yeah, disappointment is the overriding emotion, I think, for all. Um, O'Brien either coming to an end, probably. It was, you know, a year, if not 18 months overdue in some senses. I think he he was a good coach, and I think, you know, he was, a, you know, he was hired. It was a popular hire at the time, but he just continued to, you know, change personnel in the front office, take more power, take more responsibility on. I think, and as he did that, he he stretched himself in a sense. I think he maybe lost sight of what it means to be a coach in some senses because the fact that it came down to player discontent was the complete opposite of what he's 
regime had been about, there was a sort of patented kind of steeliness about it and a and a and a way in which he could find results when the chips were down. And then all of a sudden, I mean it wasn't uncommon for us to be in a hole in, in seasons gone by, but this season looked a bit different in many senses and it yeah, I had a feeling that Someone was going to have to change, unfortunately. So you know, I th- you know, I wish him you know all the best, and I'm sure he will get another head coaching gig, whether that be in the league or in college. But he, it kind of came to an end, and you know, there was times in the season that we, we looked good, um, despite the games we lost. Particularly Pittsburgh was the one I think we let go when we could have mm. you know done a better job in that game, you know, because we, we that was the best we'd looked for, you know, for a long time in the in the first half, second half just couldn't show up, couldn't hold the ball, and I think the problem is with, with the current. The current Houston Texans side of, of 2020, I think the issue is they can't stop the run. Um, I doesn't bode well for playing a Tennessee team that bases you know the entirety <laughs> of their of their offensive game plan around the run. So I think when you can't stop the run, you, your offense isn't on the field enough. I mean, your best player um, isn't on the field enough, then you're you're not always going to have a chance to win games. And the the flaw of the O'Brien era was he overinvested in the offensive line and they slowly let the defensive side of the ball erode in terms of his talent and you know years gone by whether it had been Kareem Jackson whether it had been Jadavion Clowney which I'm sure we'll come on to whether it had been DJ Reader, you know these are core pieces of a defence a spine if you like that, that left the team and were never really replaced like for like mm. in terms of talent particularly against the run so we've not been able to stop the run and O'Brien's sort of fallacy around his scheme and around all these kind of, you know, his old school thoughts about establishing the run, you know, when the league's changed, you know, bar some teams, you know, moved away from that viewpoint. So he doubled down on his mistakes and continued to swing for the fences, you know, to cover up other mistakes and it compounded to the point where it could no longer be headed on the field. So that was why we were on for coming on the field, you know, Jacksonville game, missing their top three defenders. It was a good get right for his game, but, I'd still like to think this offense has got a lot more to offer than anybody's seen so far this season. Mm. Yeah, I'd seen. I think we saw Brandon Cooks perform at the weekend, which looked back to his, like his Saints days in terms of how he was performing. Because I'd made the uh, effort to watch the game, and I mean, I was an owner of uh, James Robinson, the Jags running back, because I was expecting them to run all over us. But you seem to actually do an all right job against the Jacks when it came to the running game. Um, I don't know if that's something that maybe knew what they're trying, or do you think it was just like a, a more of a lucky game, or do you think it's a sign that the defense might be trying to more adapt to uh, teams know that the Texans defense is quite easy to run on? Do you think they're trying to concentrate more on making that less of a weakness? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think there's uh, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely an element of. You know, I think I think it's like like blocking, um, picking up your run fits is discipline, eye discipline in the backfield, um, making sure you you know you, you take your gap assignment and you do you know you do the simplistics of it. Um, so I, it's it comes down to talent, but a lot of it comes down to scheme and organisation, and everybody knowing the responsibilities and their job role. So on each given play, so I think that there was an element of that, and I think you know you saw on the defensive side of the ball, just as you saw on the offensive side of the ball, to a degree that there was. Probably O'Brien sort of sledged hammered into them about you know you've got to be cautious of your job and you know mm-hmm. kind of making sure that you know you were held accountable at all times to the point I think where it became restrictive um, and I I think what we saw there was that you know people were flying around the ball making plays um, and just you know enjoying what they're doing because ultimately it's like any work you know place of work if you don't enjoy what you're doing then. It's going to be a lot harder, and you probably won't, you know, express yourself in a way that would make you more creative and more productive. So, as basic as that sounds, so I think you know, there was guys <laughs> flying to the ball, and there was there was a lot of a lot of good kind of kind of scheme. I think we'll play it. I think we'll play the jet the the scheme in which or the the strategy in which Anthony Weaver will employ. I think will be very different. I think what uh, what he'll do here, and I think I think we I think if you look back at the game last year. In Tennessee, I think you know we. I think we showed a formula in that game how to stop Derrick Henry, um, yeah. and I, I expect them to play in a similar way to that. Now, when you sell out to run that, that then you know does allow opportunities for the passing game in behind. We'd only given up. Um, we don't. We were one of the top five teams in in uh, pass defense, and that was probably masked by the fact we were so bad against the run. But I fully expect yeah. us to 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 sell out to to defeat the run. I think what makes Derek Henry so good is he'll still make five six yards on seven eight man boxes. So, um, but you know, you know, last couple of years we've shown 
how to bottle them up. And if you do bottle them up, I think then that puts the emphasis on Tannehill. Now, I've only watched one of Tennessee's games just because I only have time to watch so many All-22s. But <laughs> the All-22 that I have watched was the Minnesota one. And, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know. from Just from that game alone, I don't know if Tannehill's you know, playing anywhere quite near the level he was last year. So you want to put the game in his hands and... And, and test it out because that's basically what he did against Minshew, and he, you know, he, he overthrew a lot of balls for for all his yeah. for all his chances. So, um, so yeah, I think they'll they'll put it in the hands of uh, of Tannehill and see what he can do. So for the um, Titans fans who haven't been watching much Texans football, over which I assume there's probably not many of them outside of like the big names like Deshaun Watson, who should the uh, who should they be looking out for to potentially make an impact on the game? Well, I think, yeah, if you're looking at basic stats, I think Terrell Adams came in last week um, and, and, and filled in for Bernardo McKinney. He's a big loss, and a big loss, particularly when you're playing against the Titans with a big running back. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now out for the rest of the season with shoulder injuries. He's going to have to get surgery. So um, Terrell Adams was the direct replacement, and he led the team in tackles and a bit more of a an agile, more modern-day linebacker, BMAC, a bit of a throwback. So he's no longer in the... In the side, which is a big loss, particularly for this this game, I, I think I think it's it's tough to, tough to say who who um who necessarily will, will surprise you. I don't think there's necessarily anyone on the Texans roster that's come out of the blue this year that that springs to mind for me. For me, I think it's a case of can they have a game where Fuller and 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 Brandon Cooks are equally productive, you know, over you know in triple digits. And if, if that's the formula through the year, I think we've got a good chance of of doing so. I think Duke Johnson's due a big game. Um, he's he's kind of had missed. He, he hobbled off in week one. Has had some snaps that you know last couple of weeks, but I'm expecting you know something they've not shown on tape that much against a division rival to come out the bag. Um, in that sense, so I, I I would think Duke Johnson's you know one of the most productive players, and by pure stats and efficiency every time he gets the ball. So that and I think Kenny Stills is probably due a big game as well. He scored two touchdowns in the in the in the tie last mm. year in in uh, in, um, in ten in Nashville. And I think I think in, and a part of that and I think what what we've not seen so far is this Texans offense is be diverse or or be as diverse as it wanted to be. And I think that. Probably the blueprint in many ways was left in that game last season because if you saw, you know, Hopkins was covered, Fuller was covered, but yeah, or, or you know, or whoever might be, and then all of a sudden that leaves a one-on-one matchup with maybe a safety, whether it was Sims or, um, or or, or uh, you know, your third or fourth cornerback, then that that mm-hmm. that's probably going to allow a matchup. But considering the talent of our top four guys. Um, yep. to go and make plays, I think we'll, hopefully we'll get Jordan Aikens back. Missed the last game of concussion. Um, Harrison Smith d- decided to knock him uh, clean out in the uh, in the in the Minnesota game, so he was still coming back from that. Um, yeah. So I think on offense, I think ultimately, if you know, if if, if both t- teams can can uh, can defend, you know, in, a, in an admirable way, I think the, the biggest issue will be, or or what you what you want want it to come down to from a Texans point of view is quarterback against quarterback, which I would suggest would go in Houston's favor. Mm. Now and. Um- as much as I'd I'd love to argue that situation, I must admit I do really enjoy watching Deshaun Watson play. He he just seems to, even though he takes a lot of sacks half the time, he has like what Carson Wentz used to have, where he just seemed like, oh well, he's down, that's a sack, and then suddenly he'd be upright somehow, and like you saw last year when he's thrown with his hand on his eye and stuff. Uh, I, I am a big fan of the way he plays, and I, I agree, is a he is a superstar on the team. Um, I've always wanted to ask Texans fans talking of superstars because. Obviously, when the trade happened in the off season, as a, as a non Texans fan, I was just like, "What on earth is Bill O'Brien doing?" But how do you think David Johnson's sort of fitted in? Obviously, it's difficult to say he'd ever take up any form of role compared to what Hopkins was doing for the team. But like, how did you feel when the trade happened compared to how you're feeling now as it's gone uh, sort of what a quarter of the way through the season? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's one of those things that if you look at it on compensation alone. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a trade that anybody would make, and you know, I don't doesn't matter. I think the time that you look back on it, um, you know, or how, however long we wait into the future to to review it, I think the answer will always be the same in terms of compensation alone. Do I understand the trade in terms of a you know a pure kind of ideas point of view of Red to pay Laramie Tunsil, who's now the highest paid tackle in the league, Red to pay Watson, who's now the second highest tackle in the league. If you take those two positions, that's a substantial amount of your salary cap. Now, we made a choice not to pay Hopkins um, because some of the stuff that he did off the field. And 
And I think, you know, the, he was on a contract. He was only two years into a five-year extension. A lot of the guaranteed upfront bonus money had gone. And he wanted to, you know, to renegotiate. I think probably what the Texans did, you know, in, in, in some ways, which will never really get mentioned, but I think Bill O'Brien, for all his flaws, he tried to put Hopkins in a place that would give him the money he wanted. And if you look at the two years, basically 25 million for almost just over 50 million two-year extension, 43, 44 of that guarantee. Now, we would never have been able to give him that money. It just wouldn't have made sense. So mm. if that's what he was actually looking for with us, which... It's hard to think he wouldn't have been. Um, and, you know, it wasn't feasible to pay him from a, a cap point of view, particularly now, even more so when the cap's likely to go down due to game day revenue plummeting. So I think that the, the Texans did him a favour by getting him there, and that probably inhibited some of their their, their capital they got back in return. So it was it sad to see him go, yes, to, you know, see, see him get his, his first touchdown there at the weekend, doing what he does. Um, could they be found ways and means to keep him? Yeah, probably, and they'll probably regret on that. But I think what you've got to think in the modern day game, when wide receivers are coming thick and fast out of the draft, you know, you look at guys like C.D. Lamb and then further down the draft, Chase Claypool, guys that are coming in on cheap deals that are making impacts, mm. you know, in the first season, do you need to necessarily pay a wide receiver $25 million a year when your cap's going to now drop to circa $175 million a year? So I understand that, but you, you should have got a first round pick and then you bring a guy like maybe Derek Brown in or... or or you know, or somebody transformational on your defense, and you, and then you're able to balance your roster, and it looks a lot better. But at the minute, the pick was Ross Blacklock, who spent a lot. You know, he's not you know, played a huge amount of reps, and he doesn't look ready. And I think he's one of these guys that coming from TCU's not suffered um, in terms of not having that full off season, and it's not an easy position D line to play when you've got to go from a a college you know athlete to an NFL athlete, and it's purely down to strength athleticism. So he'll struggle. David Johnson, I think, yeah, look, the Texans need to. Use use them right. I think that's the biggest thing. They have not used them right. They continue to run them up the middle. When you see him running outside zone, when you see him in the passing game, mm-hmm. it looks like a player. But if you're going to try and make him run between the guards and A and B gaps constantly, you know, so a la Derek Henry, um, you're not you're not going to get a huge amount of him. So the Texans you need to learn how to how to use him better. Um, he's done some good things. Um, you know, he, he he almost broke one off on Sunday, just got caught from behind. So um, late on in the game, so yeah, look, I I think you know, are we a worse team without Deshaun and uh, without DeAndre Hopkins and being the main target for Deshaun Watson? Yes, arguably we are, but I mean, there's been a lot of other things that have gone awry throughout the personnel uh, mm. that that's probably contribute to that similarly, if not more. So yeah, I mean, obviously sad to see him go, but I think you know we we pose a different threat now, and I think our big issue is just trying to evolve this roster to to be. You know the best roster in the division that we were maybe in 2018, 2019, but definitely not this year. And uh, I guess before I go to the dreaded question of what you think uh, will happen on uh, Sunday, I did want to bring up obviously Jadavian Clowney has moved across. Um, obviously, he's had a couple of uh, stops along the way. Um, what were your thoughts on Clowney when he left the Texans, and how will you be feeling on Sunday seeing him line up against uh, your offensive line when it's not just training? Yeah, always a guy I liked, and I liked him as a character. And, you know, I know he still lives in Houston. I know his family is still in Houston. Um, and I think ultimately you've got to think, again, this comes, you know, in a very, you know, inevitably a lot of this stuff, come, stuff comes down to money. And we've got to remember the Texans offered him an 18.45 year deal um, to stay. He turned that down. He was terribly advised by his agent. He sacked his agent, hired a new agent before he signed for Tennessee this offseason. He went to Seattle, didn't get you know, the deal he wanted. And I think he never probably will get the deal he wants because I, I know I saw through three weeks, obviously your players and team stats are kind of behind, so you're not kind of mm-hmm. like for like. But through the first three weeks, he was top 10 in pressures, but I think he'd had one sack or maybe, or, or, or zero. So I think when owners, front office, fan bases are looking at paying guys 22, now if you look at the the um, the, the Bosa deal that done in LA, mm-hmm. You know, you think you've got probably other guys coming. You're going to get the TJ Watt deal next, which will supplant that. He, that's the that's the end of the market. He sees himself in, but doesn't quite play like that. Now he's got you know spades and spades of other abilities that I I would argue you know balance that out. And I definitely think signing him made this Tennessee defense a better one. But I think he will never command the value he truly thinks he wants, or certainly the 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 demand that Buzz Cooks. Um, thought he should demand um, at the time um, mm. 
doing it because he's never had an offer. Now I know that he was offered a far bigger deal by uh, the Browns to go for them, far you know far more money than he would have made this season in Tennessee. But I think he felt it was like going to be an easier fit for him to do his best. Um, but I think with all the with all the all the disruption in the off season and that I would. And a, a question for you. I think that's probably partly driven by the, the Tennessee players' behaviour off the field. Um, I think he's he's potentially put himself in a position where he's not going to do that uh, because of some of the disruption that they, they might get. And he might not necessarily get the uh, exposure that he thinks in a small market team. I think if he wanted to, if, if it was truly all about money for him, he needed to put himself in one of the big markets like a New York. You know, they're not doing well, but, you know, or an L.A. team that was going to get the, the press coverage, which ultimately then filters through to people's opinions, rightly or wrongly. People pick it up and believe it themselves because they're fed it by various net, network executives. And then, <laughs> uh, and, then, and then it probably would have pushed these values. I don't think he's going to get the value he wants, whether he'll stay in Tennessee for, you know, a cut, a cut rate deal because they're under paying Henry and, uh, and Tannehill next season. I don't think they're going to be able to offer him the 20 million plus but look he, he will get he's more than his fair share of tfls you know be top five top 10 player in tfls and ultimately they're just as good as a sack in terms of where you you know you put a team behind the chains so mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a guy that i like and i think he's got a lot a lot to offer in defense and it's uh he's i think judavian is unique in the sense he got to the nfl without trying and i, I do not mean that facetiously in any stretch you know by any stretch of the imagination he did he's just such a pure raw athlete and I think, mm-hmm. you know, from the gym that he's working out in Houston um, and uh, from some of the trainers there and some of the reports, was I think maybe the pennies dropped a bit this season. So he's not, you know, he didn't have an off season like many players. So hopefully, you know, Sunday isn't a breakout game for him. But I, I wish him all the, the best. And I, I did watch a fair bit of Seattle last year because he was playing. Yeah, I have a friend who's a South Carolina fan who told me about him. And there was like one video clip from his uh, college days, it was like he knew he was getting drafted basically first pick based on one clip. And then he just sat out games. And like you said, he did almost naturally just walk into the league just purely based on how much of a physical freak he was. Um, Moving on then to probably the most important question. I don't know how you're feeling about the game on Sunday, but if you could, if you could guess a a result or scoreline and how, how are you generally feeling going into Sunday's game based off the victory that you had against the Jags recently? I think it's it's less so about the the Jags game, and it's probably more about tonight. How how do you come out of that? You know, with three days rest. I know it's only the same amount of days that you would you know going from Sunday to then playing Thursday night, which all players mm-hmm. despise of. Now you've got the you know the added benefit that they're all at home. So I think that's that's the big deal uh, yeah. there, and you don't have to travel. So I think that 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 will help that if they were both road games. I think you probably wouldn't be playing tonight. I would I would suggest. Um, <laughs> But no, I think. Look, I think. How does the how how did Tennessee come out of that? Because ultimately, they will you know naturally tire uh, as the game drags on, and Houston have every season, uh, and Watson plays in that way. They have grown into games. So mm-hmm. you know, if if the Texans could come out and and be stout early against the you know run and not give up too many plays or any Dane Krukshank Kru- special team gaffes, then I think that that's the, you know, that's, you know, we're going to have to play sound fundamental football, as you have to do on the road. But if they can do that and then inevitably Tennessee will tire, then that will give you an opportunity to then to grow into the game and, and take a lead later on. So I, it's a tough, it's, it's, it's not necessarily a tough place to go, Nashville, in terms of the, in, term, in terms of the, the crowd and, the, and, and that. And I know there will be some fans in there uh, this week, but I, there, there's, it's it's a divisional game, and I think divisional games have a tendency to swing there or thereabouts, and um, and don't necessarily always you know, be the truest reflection uh, of a of a team. I think it will depend massively on how well do they come out, how well do the Titans come out um, against against the Bills, and you know w- what position they are health wise. I think so. Before I let you go, I will have to get a, a score prediction for what you're thinking on Sunday. Score prediction. Whoa. Um, yeah, well, I, th- I think we're due. I think we're due a win. Um, I think I don't think we're going to necessarily knock off that because we were just talking about that earlier. That thirty points we put up on Sunday was the most we've done since week six of twenty nineteen. So it's been a while, and that was at Kansas City. So yeah, I I, I think the, the pass protection is improving. I think that gives it gets looking stable now, and it took a while just with no live bullets in the off season. Um, to do that, and I think if, if that maintains and we can hold Simmons and Landry and, and Clowney to a degree and, 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 and let Deshaun grow into the game, I think we can come out and win it. Um, 
So to give you a score, I would say 28-24. 28-24, okay. I'd like to say that sounds like a good score, but I, I can't agree. I Although I do think it will be a much tighter game than what I would have predicted a couple of weeks ago. Jürgen, thank you so much for uh, allowing us to talk to you about the game on Sunday. Uh, for anyone listening, if they want to listen to some Texans news, where can they find you? Yeah, if you want to check us out, it's uh, podcasttexans.com at podcasttexans on Twitter and on Facebook. Amazing. Right. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking today. I will wish you good luck on Sunday, but with a blip of, you know, I never want to say that I want you to lose, but let's hope it's a good game anyway. Yeah, excellent. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, tighten up everyone else and back to the guys on the regular podcast. So that was Ewan from the Houston Texans uh, fan base over here in, in the UK. Um, there's absolutely no doubt they'll be quaking in their boots after after watching Tuesday. I'm sure if that conversation had happened after Tuesday, there'll be uh, it might have been a slightly different conversation. Um, speaking of uh, the Texans game, divisional game, so our third divisional game of the year, second divisional game of the year. I can't remember what it is now. We've only played the Jags. Just the Jags. Yeah, it's the second divisional game of the year at home. I, I, I don't know how what to make of this one. You kind of feel like you've, you've got to back the Titans, but no Bill O'Brien. That's kind of made him a little bit unpredictable for me. What's your thoughts on Sunday coming? Yeah, I mean, obviously, miles past from the conversation that we've just listened to was, I, I'll, I'll secondly sort of say how I am a fan of Deshaun Watson and the way he plays quarterback, but I feel like Bill O'Brien stood in the way of letting him improve as a player. But some of the plays that Watson can make on his own are very impressive. To lose Hopkins and gain what Randall Cobb and uh, Brandon Cooks, who I said from their last game, actually looked very impressive. He looked like the old yeah. Saints version of Brandon Cooks, where yeah, that made me feel a little bit edgy compared to uh, how I was maybe a week or so ago. But after you see that Bills game, I mean, I'm half hoping that everyone's just going to continue to have Zoom training meetings instead of meeting up and just continue <laughs> with it. And, yeah, what's the what's the point in practicing if you can score 42 points on the Bills without it? It's just like, it's the confidence that's going to be rolling into it. And like we, all we're doing now is getting stronger as a team. We've got people yeah. coming back from injury and coming back from uh, the COVID list. So it's... All we're going to be doing going into this Houston game is adding more and more confidence to a team that's just on the NFL's main stage, showing everyone what they can do. Yeah. Um, so, to me, although I am a fan of Deshaun Watson, uh, I feel like that Houston team, which we know has struggled against the run a lot this year, they, they improved a little bit against the Jags, but technically they have a rookie in Robinson who's had an all right season, but it's not Derrick Henry. And I feel like that's going to be a big factor that we were worried when we pre-recorded before the Bills game that how tired would Henry be and how tired would the team be because playing against the Bills could be a very tiring game. Yeah. Realistically, I feel like it was the opposite. I feel like they probably got more energy out of that game than losing energy by the way that the result was. So just carry it into the Houston game. I can't see anything but a defeat. But when's that different for me, I guess? We could have lost 100 yeah. nil to the Bills and I'd still be going into... Texans confident of a win. Yeah, I, I, one thing I'm hoping to see is, I mean, I think a few people have said this, is that I think we played on, on Tuesday night with a bit of a chip on our shoulder. Um, you know, we played pissed off ultimately. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they can they can bring that level of uh, uh, of anger and, and frustration into into the Texans and, and that this doesn't become a, a bit of a slogfest. Yeah, look, I think it's going to be a much more difficult game than it would have been if Bill O'Brien was still there, um, I think they've had a really tough start in the teams that they've played. But I don't see any of the teams that they've played that much better than what we are. And I think they'll be looking at this game as a really another tough game that they've got to go and try and get get something from. That all they've beat are, are the Jags at home so far, and with respect to to well, actually no no respect to the Jags, but you know they're they're not a team that are really gonna really gonna worry you in the long term. Um, yeah, look, I'd be uh, I'd be amazed if it's another blowout, but I I would also be amazed and disappointed if we didn't come away with with the victory. And to see a Titans team at five and zero, I didn't think would, would would ever happen. So 
who knows what 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 will be uh, what will be brought on Sunday? But yeah, look, they've got. I think Brandon Cooks is starting to show up. Um, he's definitely going to be a threat. Um, but I mean, I still think I don't think the row line is anywhere near good enough to be able to keep Clowney Landry. Hopefully, Simmons out of the game. I don't see that happening. So I think uh, we should we should be seeing another another victory this Sunday. Hopefully, uh, it'll be very good to be five and zero. That is for sure. Um, we are, uh, as things stand, I believe, we're currently top of the uh, of the AFC. I think joint top with the Steelers. So that's something that I never thought would be would be saying when we're over what nearly a third of the way through the season, or definitely over a quarter of the way through the season. So yeah, it's going to be huge. No, good game to look forward to, and at a time that isn't uh, doesn't mean a four a.m. bedtime, which is always good as well. It's Six p.m. UK time Sunday. In Nashville, so yeah, look forward to that. Um, and that's pretty much it for us. But we will, we can't leave until we we have at least one dose of the non-Titans related, which I'm really struggling with this week because it was only about three days ago that we we did a podcast. Um, but Miles, what have you got for us? Yeah, I wanted to bring some positivity to add on top of the already super positive Titans uh, fan base. Although I doubt. Anyone listening in America will be able to at all appreciate what I'm talking about. But we know that a lot of my uh, non-Titans-related uh, sort of revolve around food. Shock that this week is no difference. Um, but my positivity is really sort of something that's really simple. And it's so I often do my um, shopping at a, um, a supermarket called Tesco when I'm getting my snacks generally because I just know where everything is in my local store, so I don't have to... I see, like, I already... I know my routes, or routes, as you'd say, so I know when I'm coming in, what order I need to get stuff in the most efficient manner. It's been that many times. But they've introduced a thing with the club card system where there's certain items where if you have a club card, you get them reduced. And I don't know if the owner of Tesco, whose name slips my mind because I'd love to be able to shout him out, um, has been listening to what I enjoy. But, like, when I went round and done my snack shopping for Sunday I think 7 out of my 11 items are on this club card thing where if you have a club card you get it like half price and so I, mine was more just uh, I just wanted to thank Tesco's uh, owner or whoever in their uh, company decided to make the decision that club card should get you a uh, reduced pack of Jaffa cakes and slightly reduced kettle chips and I think drinks as well it was incredible and then also they started introducing more um fancy I, i'm one of them i i prefer my ipas and brew dog and cloud water uh beers and they've started introducing like mix-ups between the two so seeing my chocolate marshmallow stouts and stuff that i can get from a tesco mixed with half price jaffa cakes makes my sundays even better without the titans being undefeated this season that's uh it's, it's a strange one for me because uh i i genuinely don't think i've been to a supermarket since lockdown began because we just do everything online just order so much stuff online so i couldn't actually tell you the last time i even stepped foot into a tesco or into a supermarket which is it was very very strange to think but yeah i must admit i, I do see i saw an advert where they were talking about these club card prices and uh yeah, one day i've got a feeling they're going to be putting on be putting on like glasses to walk into a Tesco so you can see like your own personalized club card price when you look at a tag. I'm pretty sure that's going to be coming at some point in the future, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it is good. But they know they know as much about you as anyone. Tesco, they know exactly what you like and they'll they'll make sure it's, it's, it's worrying how consistent I am with what <laughs> snacks I buy. So, I mean, I, it wouldn't take a miracle of marketing to know what I like <laughs> basically any kind of crisps, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, mine is, um, uh, it's non-Titans, but it's still football or soccer, if you like, uh, if you're listening in America. So um, I support a, a, a lowly League Two team um, called Stevenage. And uh, I've not been to a game since February, uh, not been able to go and watch a single game since February, um, which has been, some people would say, amazing great the best eight months of my life but uh, I'm actually getting to a point now where I never thought especially after the season we had last season never thought we'd be saying how much I miss it and I actually went to a um, I live I live just north of Stevenage about sort of 20 30 minutes away um, and it's now called near Bedford and I went to watch Bedford who play in a in a in the non-league of English football 
Um, and they had, uh, I think it's about 315 fans, I think it was, inside the grounds. And I went in to watch my first football game for, oh yeah, I think it was seven or eight months. Um, and it was amazing to actually sit there and experience a game live and to actually go and sit there and watch, even though I had no real draw towards the team itself or anything like that. Um, to be able to go and sit there and watch a game live was, was actually incredible. Um, and I think now there's been um, a petition taken to the government. I think about 200,000 fans have signed to try and get people back into grounds because you can go and sit there and watch a Premier League game in a pub, but you can't, can't possibly go into you know, a socially distanced stadium and watch anything. And it was actually great to see, I think, 8,000 fans in the, in the Nissan on, uh, on Tuesday night as well, which was, which was amazing to see. But yeah, no one's obviously going to be listening to this who works in the government. But just give us football back, please. Like, give us something to watch. Yes. Let's go and watch games. Let's, you can, we can do this in a way where, you know, stadiums hold seven, eight thousand. Where in the divisions I'm in, if it's you know stadiums that hold twenty thousand, thirty thousand, just even if you let a couple thousand, two, three thousand fans make it ten percent full, it'd be a million times better than having no one there. And having to watch through things like eye follow, uh, through camera work, which is ropey at best. It's just, yeah, just open the doors, let us in. Yeah, I was very close to using eye follow, but I thought it was too niche a market. Because <laughs> my, my, uh, my last game was, I think, February, March time, was Shrewsbury away. And uh, you've seen in the news around about they want to start charging £15 for Premier League games on. I'll admit I've been streaming all of the Oxford games, so I've been saving a fortune on petrol because normally it's about a five-hour trip there and back. <laughs> so instead I pay £10 to stream it, but they're, they're on about charging £15 to watch a Premier League game where, like you've been doing, I've got Runcorn Linnets, Runcorn Town, no local yeah. to me, where you can go and watch a game, have a pint, have a burger. You're in an open field where it yeah. is safer than being in a pub. And it's just, I mean, I know I've got to get myself down to it because I know how much I'm missing football. It's Hearing crowd, despite how bad Oxford are doing, by the way, but like just the 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 fake crowd noise and stuff, it was nice at first, but you can't you can't just beat being in a in a even even I say a stadium. Like I miss the old Oxford days of non-league where I'd go to grounds where they could only hold probably five hundred people. Yeah, and it was absolutely. just a field and like a slab of pavement would be like the home end, and it's like, but it's still live and it's you it's just you can't beat and. I agree with the the petition to get people in the ground. To me, it's just when they're saying how like oh people should can go to the pub and watch it, and it's like well how can that be a suitable option compared to allowing like you said a tenth of the stadium to go to it, which is because there's a big petition going on about how higher higher up league clubs should be saving lower league clubs with the money they're making. Why don't you just like fans going to the stadium? And they can actually use the money they're going to get through the turnstile to actually keep the, the teams afloat. Thing. That's the biggest thing is that, I mean, especially for a, a club of the size of the one I support where, you know, we get 3,000 a game if we're lucky. Um, you know, they're, they're reliant. I think it makes up a huge percentage of, the, uh, of their overall revenue comes from, from getting people through the gates. Um, it's not like the Premier League where it's all broadcast. The money and, you know, they get basically all their money from, Whoever's broadcasting it across the world, it's the, you know, it's a completely different kettle of fish. So it's it's very much a case of you know for clubs uh, at League Two and below, and even League One, you know, they they will go bust. Uh, they will they will they will just cease to exist at some point unless we're very very careful. And I'm actually amazed that there hasn't been. I think I know there has been some support from the government, but I'm amazed there hasn't been more teams go bust. Um, and I think, I think that will come unless unless they open the doors. And even if they got, you know, a thousand fans into a, into Stevenage, and it holds, I think, probably about just over seven nowadays. Um, even if you get a thousand fans in, that will just not only will you will get a massive opportunity to actually go and experience football again and enjoy enjoy a game. If I, I'll say that loosely, um, watching Stevenage for years and not, don't, haven't enjoyed many recent years anyway, but. Uh, you know, it will just bring a level of normality back, and that's something that all of us need. Ultimately, you know, we don't fully appreciate. We're all still talking about, you know, we could be locked down again at some point in the near future, which I'm hoping doesn't happen. But you can do it in a safe way. And I think uh, going to the Bedford game the other week, granted 315 people, I think it was, which is about 10% of what their capacity holds. At not one point did I think 
yeah, people are too close or people are right there or anything like that. I didn't feel anything other than this feels like normal again. So now I've brought it up. It's uh, it's a it's a bit of annoyance on my side, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully one day we'll be back. Um, and speaking of, we'll be back. We'll be back next week with uh, hopefully a five and O Titans team and another win to celebrate. Hopefully with more people as well, because hopefully we'll have at least Adam and uh, possibly Brian and Neil back as well. Um, but Miles, thanks very much for joining, and hopefully. Will be uh, a five no Titans team come half nine ten o'clock Sunday night. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll catch up next week. And as always, tighten up. Tighten up, guys.